Hi, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast. I should say welcome back to the Vote Her podcast because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, media maven, dog enthusiast, and I love being around brilliant women. Uh, I'm Jen Jordan. I am a former state senator, um, lawyer, mom. I love dogs, too. Um, and I dig, I dig smart women, too. Yeah, I am Terry Anulowitz, state representative from Smyrna, Georgia. And you'll probably hear my dogs as we record this podcast. <laughs> well, ladies, it is so great to be back. For just, And I have to say, um, people have been clamoring for us to come back. I've had four or five tweets saying, where are you? So let's yeah, catch up on yeah. what everybody's been up to this summer. Clamoring may be a bit, a, a bit hyperbolic, but you we know. get asked about. Yeah, I get asked. I get, I've been asked about it a couple times, like <laughs> tens of times, maybe. We're not talking about your kids, Terry. Come on, let's let's just move it, right? <laughs> well, I want to go straight to the big question. While there may not have been like clamoring for us, uh, certainly people have been clamoring for Jen Jordan because the Fulton County DA case has been on everybody's mind. It's been in the national news all the time. Uh, Jen has been all over uh, CNN, MSNBC, and in front of the grand jury. So let's ask, uh, is Trump going to be tried? Can we watch it? What's next? Uh, so right now, Trump is going to be tried. You will be able to watch it. Uh, he has not moved to remove the federal court. And because of the way that uh, federal uh, judge Steve Jones wrote the order remanding um, Mark Meadows case back to state court. I, I don't I'm, I'm not sure if, if Trump, you know, really would be ultimately successful either. Um, but, you know, I have a, I, you know, I've got a side bet with a lot of people because all the lawyers I know say, well, he has to remove, right? He has to try to remove. Um, and you have 30 days from the day of arraignment, just FYI, in terms of when you have to do it. Um, but I don't think he will because he knows he's going to be sent to Judge Steve Jones, who is an Obama appointee. And he's also um, he's also a black judge. He's an African-American judge. And we know um, kind of what Trump's, you know, how he feels about people of color and particularly Democratic people of color, um, how he's gone um, after the other judges, particularly Judge Chutkin, um, who will be trying the uh, federal case against him that uh, Jack Smith indicted. So, you know, I have a feeling that he would rather stay in state court where there are cameras and he can put on a show right in front of a Republican nominated judge um, who's doing a great job, by the way. But, you know, you got to you got to think like Trump does. It's very uh, simplistic in some ways versus going to federal court and not being on camera and, and actually having a very serious federal judge. Um, you know, who's respected by everybody, right? This, you know, Steve Jones is not an ideologue. He is not considered political in any way. He would really do an incredible job um, for all of the um, 
you know, anybody who's facing these kind of accusations or allegations. Um, but in Trump world, you know that it's very different in terms of the formula. And if there aren't cameras for him, you, you know, is it really worth it, right? He always thinks about it as, you know, um, programming in some ways. And so if, if he's not going to be able to get programming out of it, he, he doesn't want it to happen. So I don't even think he's going to try to remove. So yeah, I think, you know, we are, we're going to have a, we're going to have a big old trial here and everybody can live stream it 24-7. Jen, could he be removed to federal court even if he doesn't want to? For example, if some of the other defendants who are asking to be, you know, have their cases moved to federal court, if theirs gets moved, couldn't he be dragged along with them? No, no. Okay. The deal is this is a very particular um, removal provision. Um, and the reason there's been a lot of confusion around it is because it never gets used, right? right. It, is, it is so particular. And normally in removal, um, if you have one person remove a case, mm-hmm. you know, the whole case can go up, um, which would include other defendants as well. Right. Here, this is a defendant by defendant analysis. And so each person has to make kind of their case uh, for why they need to be in federal court. And the whole purpose of this law really is to say, hey, states and state prosecutors or DAs, you can't just get mad at the federal government or get mad at federal government officers and, um, you know, charge them with crimes and and then try them in state court and throw them in prison, right? This goes way back. Um, It actually goes back, you know, it originally started because of the IRS and tax investigators because people would get so mad, right? I know, it's not a sexy, but whatever. No, that's that's what brought down Al Capone. Yeah. So the whole thing was, you know, you you had the locals who were getting really angry, you know, at these tax you know, agents and and trying to go after them. And what this statute says effectively is that it just changes the venue of the case, right? So at least you get a a fair venue, um, venue being the actual court. Um, so it's different than than other types of removal actions, which the whole thing can go up, and there's usually federal charges or, or federal claims, all of that. It's very particular, and each person has to um, make their own burden, which is also why Mark Meadows, who had the best chance um, at actually removing, the fact that he couldn't um, you know, get over the bar indicates that nobody else is going to be able to do it either. Wow, that's going to be uh, it's unbelievable. Um, Jen, watching you um, being chased down the street at the Fulton County DA, you're wearing your white suit and you're going in to testify that day. And they're like, do you know, do you have a comment? You know, what was that like for you? That was a pretty intense. I mean, and I know you and like I was just watching it on TV. It was pretty wild when you had to go testify to the grand jury. What was that like? So what was interesting is that I actually, that was me leaving. I was the only person that they didn't spot coming in. And I was very proud of myself, by the way. Um, so it, it was it was one of those things where I kind of felt like I had dodged the press coming in. So I didn't even think about it going out. So I was surprised when everybody descended. Um and it also is a little overwhelming because I literally had just come out of the grand jury room. And, you know, it is a, it was a very serious, solemn thing to be there. And then to kind of walk out and immediately the press just start doing what the press does. It's not bad or, you know, there's no judgment there. But it did feel like 
it was like, come on, guys, just this isn't the time, right? It, it This isn't the time to, you know, for hot takes or, or anything like that, um, because it, it did feel very heavy to me. Um, other people didn't feel so <laughs> feel that way. Um, but but I did and, and just tried to get out of there as quickly as possible. Yeah, it was wild seeing you. So Terry, this is really going to be so interesting going into. I mean, nowhere. I know we're a long way from session, of but course, maybe not but, from special session. Uh, but here we have so many of the freshman class, uh, uh, the Georgia legislature, who are part of this. Uh, Nineteen people indicted. So, what are you hearing on the ground from uh, the uh, in, like under the gold dome chatter? So it was a little awkward for the Georgia Chamber of Commerce, who every summer at their big conference, and well, I guess every other summer they give this award, but every summer they have a convening down in St. Simons. Everybody's there and they give their freshman of the year award, you know, the the rookie of the year. And it pretty much always goes to a Republican because it's the chamber and, you know, that's their prerogative. Do I think they should be a little more diverse? Probably, but they're they're going to do what they do. And this year, they had the biggest freshman class of legislators in a generation from which to choose who to bestow this award upon. And they picked Sean Still. And I was like, wait, seriously? The fake elector Sean Still? They're like, yeah, Sean Still. He's our legislator of the year. He's done great business-friendly legislation. You may have heard me mention this legislation before, regular podcast listeners, because he is the sponsor of the gas-powered leaf blower bill, which is probably the stupidest. I mean, it was aggressively stupid. It was offensively stupid. One of the dumbest pieces of legislation I have ever laid eyes on, especially when I realized that it was a word-for-word Mad Lib, another, probably now the second stupidest bill I've ever seen, which was in 2015. It was the, the... a bill that would ban cities and counties from banning plastic bags. Still's bill would have banned cities and counties from banning gas-powered leaf blowers. He took the bill, well, he, somebody, took the bill, basically like did a find and replace (laughs) from the bill, replacing accessory packaging containers, which is the fancy word for saying plastic bags, with gas-powered leaf blowers, to the point that it even said, whereas the General Assembly finds that the gas-powered leaf blower industry is critical to Georgia's economy which of course is total nonsense, like, <laughs> total nonsense. So the, anyway, that's his big business-friendly legislation. And they gave him the freshman of the year. And I was like, you, and I said this to someone at the chamber who was in a decision-making capacity. I was like, you gave the rookie of the year to the fake elector. And now the Georgia Chamber has given their rookie of the year award to the indicted fake elector. Unbelievable. Let's, let's just do a nice golf clap for oh, yeah. Georgia I mean, Chamber of Commerce. Biggest in freshman their, in their, class ever. There and I was political wisdom. But hey, by the way, Terry, at least you got invited to chamber events. Like well, I, I never used to be got an, <laughs> I never even got an invitation. I was like, um, y'all, you know where my district is and and like like I'm actually pretty good with business and stuff. But yeah, they have very odd 
how they draw lines in terms of who they like and who they don't like. And so it's one of those things where I've never been down to the coast for this amazing thing and have never been in contention for freshman legislator of the year. But now I'm I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that, actually. Yeah, I I have been invited and I enjoy, I, I actually very much enjoy going because, and I think every Democrat who is invited should go because I think it's that on you, the coast. It's a well, boondoggle. That's totally. It. It's, I love that. it's I view those as work trips and you're trying to meet as many people as possible. And I think part what of it is like, her? no, you're demon. <laughs> I, I feel like when I go to these events and Mara knows, like I, I will go to whatever event. Part of what I want to do is demystify Democrats. Like you have a lot of people in Georgia who are in Cobb County, even who they're just like so afraid. I don't know what they think we're going to do. Like what? Take their business? Like, no, like, it's crazy. But I think if you can demystify and make people know the Democrats actually are just like normal people, we're not scary. Um, I think it's important. I think it's good. But- I love that you go. I think it's great. Well, f- of course, I, you know me, I love all the updates from these things. I like to receive pictures and texts from the, you know, these, these, the, I like to see how the sausage gets made in local politics. Um, so t- two, two things. First, the whole like, leaf blower is just your passion for for being yeah, upset about I'm, that I is, is amazing that exercise maybe <laughs> since we found out that trump tried to overturn the election maybe I mean, no because it was such a waste of, because i had to give hours of my life that i will never get back to like writing a speech that i gave from the well on that stupid bill <laughs> And of course, it still passed because 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 of because Republican. Republican. yes, and because and, he's business friendly, and because uh, the changer said this will be amazing. It's he's like, our buddy, you know. But I do have an unreliable authority that when they were giving him the award, it was hard to hear because the people at the King and Prince were blowing leaf blowers. Oh my god! <laughs> so, so what's going to happen to that guy? Still, I mean, he wasn't disqualified. I did see no, that the he no, wasn't. He'll, he'll he go wasn't. on. I mean, I th- I think the look. I think the problem is is that it used to be that you weren't going to be disqualified um, and lose your pay, right? And it had to do really if you had if you were adjudicated guilty, right? Or Anyway, they've tried to make a distinction in the past that if whatever you are accused of is not linked to your duties, um, then you won't be, you know, disqualified, right? And so they're like, hey, this is easy. (laughs) Even though it happened in the Capitol, even though just downstairs from the Senate, (laughs) even though it was really trying to mess with the legislative process and all of that. um, And, oh, yeah, it's all about the state senators, too, and and involved in that. He wasn't a state senator yet. No. So, you know, hey, we're good. He's good to keep doing that good legislation that we know he does so well. Which is so critical. Yeah, we'll get in. It's it's so important, critical to our economy. And we actually, someone asked him, because it came to government affairs, and I'm on that committee in the House, and someone's like, well, which cities and counties are actually talking about this? And he was like, well, Druid Hills. I was like, "Uh, that's not a city, my dude. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Not only that, he doesn't represent the Druid Hills area. Like, no. In terms of people who, who liked it or? In terms of people who wanted to have a leaf blower ban. I was like, has any city and county even like 
proposed banning leaf blower, gas powered leaf blowers. So he's talking about Druid Hills, like off ponds, like yeah, like it's a city, like and they're the talking about Aaron's banning district. Like, right, that guy right. doesn't live anywhere close. No, to that. and it's not so a city. He's going to be the big advocate for for these kind of these 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 more progressive com- like this, none of it even makes any sense it no, doesn't he just make makes things up they make things was, up and these things was, are it's yeah. crazy that's why it it's made crazy. me mad it was a waste of my time it was aggressively stupid it is stupid but like that's the whole thing stupid is is i think maybe we should have an award for that um, the freshman of the year i like that i like that but are they if are you if you're looking at those you're one of those 19 um are you nervous right now? Are you like, what is that? I mean, it, right. Just, but what does that mean? To, like, a lot of people have asked the question of like, are they going to start folding and start, you know, giving uh, D.A. Willis information to get out of it? What does that look like? So they might. I think part of the part of the issue is, especially for some down. I don't want to call it, say, down ballot, but that's the only thing <laughs> I can think of. The below-the-line <laughs> defendants. Right, the yes. downstream defendants, right? right? Um, these are folks that were absolutely, like, 100% in it, right? But a lot of them don't have, you know, a million dollars to fund a legal defense. Um, they can't hire... Even if they can hire a lawyer, they're not hiring the best lawyers, right? And um, so you you start to have to make a calculation because can you continue to pay the legal bills? Can you continue to um, actually assert a, a defense that that is actually going to be credible? Um, and, and then you really do start to think like, oh, wow, like Rico's real, man. It's no joke. And even if you think your little part wasn't as bad as like Sidney Powell or Giuliani or whatever, guess what? Because you're part of the conspiracy and, and this 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 Rico enterprise, you get swept up into it as well. And so jail time becomes real. And um you know, I think that's when folks start to think, okay, I got to start thinking about myself and not President Trump or the who next would do nothing for them. I mean, who would do nothing no, for them? Would, that's would, the, right. I, it's amazing. In second in a second. So it, it's one of those things where I think once people start actually thinking about themselves and really what could happen. I think we're going to start seeing some people uh, flip. And I, I think pe- some people have already flipped in the sense of those non-indicted um, co-conspirators. Those people have already, in large part, have agreed to actually um, tell uh, D.A. Willis kind of what they know and, and 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 kind of what they saw, what they heard, what the email, what emails they had. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot of cooperation going on. Um, that I don't think a lot of us know about yet. That's kind of just right Ooh, below the line. Can't yeah. wait. Well, and you talked about being able to pay the lawyers. I mean, Giuliani's past lawyers are suing him right now because he hasn't paid any of their legal bills because he can't pay their legal bills. Yeah. Yeah. And also his um, Park Avenue apartment is is on the market Ooh. because it's apparently worth $6 million. And so a lot of people are saying he's got to sell that in order to pay legal bills. Is there um, a Zillow listing? Can we share uh, yes, it in I'll the show notes? Yes, I'll send it to you. Oh, I God, yes. It. 
I love a Zillow <laughs> listing. <laughs> I, Jen, I think I sent it to you. You did my, send it to me and I looked at it. I was like, oh, it's oh, not bad. Oh, no, I, mean, I will inject that Zillow listing into my veins. Okay, it's, it's coming your way. All right, um, a couple of things locally um, were announced this week, especially as all of us, you know, women, we love strong, intelligent women, and we love women that run for office. And... Um, two women have announced their candidacy this week, and I would want you both to weigh in on it as far as how that works with redistricting. So just to follow up, the Supreme Court had this ruling in Alabama where they could, uh, and Jen, you could probably uh, elaborate both of you on the X's and O's on that and how we can redistrict some of this, that they were districted unfairly. And now a Georgia judge is weighing in on that. Uh, Deb Shigley announced she's running for state house representative along with Susie Greenberg um, announced that as well. So let's talk about how these women are getting into the race and what that looks like. Yeah. So um, let's take Susie Greenberg first. She is running against um, the, the current incumbent Republican, Deb Silcox, who was defeated in 2020 by Shay Roberts. Um, and specifically because of that defeat, and it was close. And it is where um, actually Deb Silcox is my state representative currently. Um, so it's that kind of uh, Chastain, uh, Sandy Springs-ish kind of area, right? And um, Silcox is from Sandy Springs, grew up here, went to high school here. Her husband is um, a doctor, you know, so she's very embedded into the community, especially in certain areas of Sandy Springs. And so what the speaker and the Republicans did for her in um, the House is they drew a district for her. Um, and made sure they drew Shay out of it so that she wouldn't have to run against Shay again. So Shay has, you know, has her district, and then Deb was basically gifted one <laughs> as well. Um, she ran in it, and then of course, because if you if someone is specifically designing a district for you, well, by God, you better win. Um, and she won this last time. But it is one of those districts that you can look at, and it is, it, it's not compact. It's not, you know something's up with it. And so that's the one Susie's running in. Susie's a longtime, you know, community member too, an advocate in the community, a lawyer. Um, you know, she's, she's got a lot going on for her and very embedded in the community. And specifically up here, there's a large Jewish population, um, and, you know, it's one of those things where she's completely dialed into that as well. And her husband's um, a doctor and she's a lawyer. I mean, it's like all these different kind of communities that um, that she is a member of and is known in and thought of very highly. So that in and of itself is going to make it a very competitive race because um, it's still, I think even with drawing it for Deb, it's still fairly competitive. Um, the question is if the redistricting you know, if the maps are struck down and the and the districts are redrawn, is that going to impact any of these districts in any way? And the shame, and same thing for Deb, Deb Shigley, who, by the way, is running against the um, president pro tem of the House, Jan Jones. So she is the most powerful woman, um, Republican woman um, in the House or the Senate, the General Assembly, and um, she is in that North Fulton kind of area. And of course, we know that area has changed pretty significantly the last few years. It's still, 
the way her district is drawn is still probably um, a little bit more Republican. But you have to look at it from the standpoint we're going into a presidential year. We're going into a presidential election um, with Trump most likely to be the Republican nominee. And we're going to have more people getting out to vote than we normally do. So if there was ever a chance to pick up some seats, right, um, in those districts that are just right on the line, this this is definitely um, the next cycle. That you, This is the cycle you'd want to run in for sure. And if we're, it's going to be another Trump campaign and God only knows what's going to come out, what we're going to hear, what he's going to do. If you are further alienating those suburban women, which Trump has a big time suburban women problem, that's both of these districts. I mean, that's one of the things that I think is so interesting about Susie Greenberg's candidacy is, you know, you put them on, you put Susie Greenberg and Deborah Silcox side by side. They're both lawyers married to doctors. They both have four grown children. Y'all might recall that Deb caught a lot of flack during the campaign. As she should have. As she should have, because she put out a mailer saying that, basically saying that her children were grown and the woman she was running against had very, very young children and a new baby. And I was like, we know I've got my children are grown, which means I have all of my time to devote to being in the House of Representatives. To devote to you, people. To devote to you, my, my <laughs> constituents. That went over so terribly. I mean, this is a very educated district. It is a full of professionals. It's full of a lot of working moms who are doing a really good job of managing a lot. And they felt like when Deb, Deborah Silcox sent out that mailer, she was basically kneecapping them. I mean, it was really ugly. It was really awful. She, this pushback was swift. I remember how mad you were when that oh, happened. Because it's total oh my BS. Gosh. It's total BS. <laughs> it is total BS. And, but now she's, you know, it well, was look. aggressively stupid. Go it ahead. Was aggressive. It, yeah, and all it, of, it was. Yeah, but does anybody remember? I mean, people don't remember. She's oh, going to come those, out. Those women in that district remember. Well, what's interesting? What's interesting about the district for me is that Deb Silcox is literally, I think, the only Republican who could win it. Um, mm-hmm. It it they went <laughs> like precinct by precinct in terms of okay. Are friends of Deb's here, right? Like, who are we going to draw into this? And I think anybody else that would come onto the scene, specifically, especially running against like a Susie Greenberg. I mean, I think Susie, if it weren't Deb, I think Susie wins. I think even with Deb, I think it's going to be a hot race. And um, and people should not forget that Deb Silcox was also a part of kind of the election denier stuff too. She challenged her election in 2020. She was represented, or at least her case, was being pushed by Ray Smith and Alex Kaufman. Um, Ray Smith is one of the ones who is now um, indicted, you know, uh, Trump's lawyer. And then Alex Kaufman was all up in everything that was going on, including being on the call with the president um, that was exposed by the Washington Post. So it's kind of one of those things where she's going to act like, oh, I didn't get dirty. But man, she is dirty, dirty, dirty when it comes to all that stuff. Yeah. And she way outperformed Trump in that district. Of course, yeah, she's going to be. It's going to be really interesting to see because I don't know. It seems like people have a very short memory and they don't care. It's it's very bizarre, ladies. I don't know. Uh, you're right. You're right. And it is. That's you what's know? exhausting, right? It's like I think people just 
start living their lives. And if everything's okay, it's almost like you don't even want to remember all the bad. You don't want to remember being outraged or, and it's like, okay, let's just, nothing bad's happened. Let's just keep on keeping on. Yeah, I like Republicans. I'm going to pick this lady. And that's the other thing. And we've talked about it. Like, actually, so I went with um, Terry. You, I think we're in Taiwan, by the way. Was I allowed to say that publicly? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that you went to Thailand, because I think it's the coolest thing. Can you tell us briefly what you were doing in Taiwan? Yeah, I was, well, I am the, one of the co-chairs of the Georgia-Taiwan caucus in the General Assembly, and uh, four of us from Georgia went, two from Alabama, two from Kentucky, two from North Carolina, and we spent a week basically in full immersion learning about the culture of Taiwan, the economy of Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan is, 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 pretty aggressively friendshoring, you know, really strengthening relationships with all levels of government in the U.S. And, and so I was glad to be a part of that. Oh my gosh, I love that. It's really that. smart of them to do that. By yeah, way. yeah, I love that so much. It's really sexy to me that you went and did that. But um, while you were away, uh, I went with, with Jen to this Labor Day union uh, mm-hmm. event when we went with Shay Roberts, uh, who Jen just mentioned. And it was so, for me, I'm such a nerd. I just loved how seeing the political sausage was made. I mean. Yeah, uh, that event is a lot (laughs) different, though, than being on the coast with the chamber. (laughs) (laughs) There are lots of kinds of sausage being made in Georgia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, But but, um, but it is, it, it is a... It is an annual event. It, it is really, especially in an election year. I mean, we're not there yet. So this is kind of the off year. So it's not as heavily um, attended. But in an election year, you will, every Democrat um, is there. Is, isn't that right, Terry? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah it was great. You don't miss it because it is, people will talk about you. They will mm-hmm. talk yeah. about you and say, you were, you know, where were you? Why weren't you there? Um, and then people r- really get talked about because if you are a candidate and you bring material and it doesn't have a union bug on oh, it. Oh, yeah. You have to have and a union so bug on everything you've got you these really yeah. dumb candidates who will show up <laughs> to give out their materials and they didn't get them printed at a union shop. Mm-hmm. And that is oh, like... wow. It's like wow. the kiss of death. Yeah. It's like... How dumb can you be? You know? Wow. And you well, got to well, be careful. The unions are very, I mean, it is, it is, they are watching you all the time. I remember the first time I ever um, was in one of these interviews, because you get interviewed too, um, for purposes of if they're going to back your candidacy yeah. or not. And I remember I was asked what car I was driving that day. Yep. Um, so they are big on you know, driving American, um, supporting workers, supporting American workers. And, um, you know, it it, it should be something we should all get behind. I mean, you know, supporting the people who actually make our lives happen every day. I had to laugh on actual Labor Day. I saw a lot of Republican um, legislators saying, you know, Happy Labor Day. I'm like, you don't, you don't like labor. <laughs> like, right, right. You they know? like when people are laboring for them, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. I know, they, yeah. think mean, they think you mean the workers in their yard, right? That's, That's what they right. think. They're That's not right. talking Cause... about actually giving workers benefits, rights, and, and yes. paying a living wage. Yes. So anyway, it was, um, and we had talked to Shay Roberts. Um, we, we all rode together. We missed you, Terry, but you were, you know, busy being 
uh, overseas um, and just talking about, you know, everything that Shay went through in her race as far as like that foolery of the election. You know, they thought her f- election was fraud, too. It's crazy stuff. Well, and having I mean, Shay had to hire a lawyer. I mean, yeah, this isn't, right. this isn't I mean, now it's almost like the craziness of it is is behind us because of all the chaos that it was, right? Because of people lying all the time. No one knew what was up. I mean, the president of the United States is saying these things. Um, people on television everywhere, nobody can really fact check anything because it's like, what is going on, right? And then now in retrospect, it's like, did that happen? Right. And I think people it forget. It feels very, think- very weird. It's weird. Okay, so um, since we've had a, a, a hiatus and there's, I mean, we're going to be aiming to be on every week, um, which I'm excited about because there's a lot of Georgia tea to be spilled. But um, but we've covered a lot, but we now we have to get to the really, really fun part. And that is, what are we raving about this week? Who wants Ooh, to go what first? What am I raving about? Oh, I know what I'm raving about. Okay. <laughs> Last week, so Jen and I both sent our firstborn off to college this this summer. That was a big thing, right? And my son is at Georgia Tech and he is loving it. Go Jackets. There is an organization that's been around for several years called Georgia Tech Parents with Pups. And it emerged, it was before the pandemic, but when people were really becoming much more aware of a lot of the mental health challenges that young adults are facing, especially those in colleges, especially those in, like, I mean, everywhere, but at Georgia Tech, there were some, some, there was some intense stuff going on. It's an and intense so, environment. It's, it's, an, an intense it's a very intense environment. And so these parents just started bringing their dogs to campus, like, so kids could love on dogs. And, you know, we're all dog Aww. people. There's a lot to be said for loving on dogs. So I am now a Georgia Tech parent with pups. I have two pups. And the first event was last Friday and I, or Friday, yeah, Friday before last, last Friday. I think it was, it was last Friday. And I brought the girls. We went to Maggie and Winnie. We went to campus. There were a couple dozen other dogs there and hundreds of kids who came by, loved on all the dogs. We brought baked goods. Like I made like eight dozen gluten-free cookies that were, you know, handed (laughs) out to people. And the best part is you make a sticker of your dog and so, hold on, I got the sticker. So I've got oh stickers. Free cookies. Oh. stickers. Oh my gosh. Oh my dogs. gosh. It's an yes. iridescent sticker. It's a holographic wow. sticker of the dogs, um, of both the girls. And I discovered that's what the press and hold function is on the photo and iPhoto because you can make stickers of your dogs. And it is a wonderful group. We'll be back out there on Halloween. Highly, highly recommend letting a stressed out college student love on your dog. That's a good one, Terry. Good. What about you, Jen? That is good. That's a very, it's a feel good. It's it's making me like, I have to reconsider what I'm going to say. Go ahead, Mara. (laughs) Okay. So I'm raving about this week, Taylor Swift, because I know she could rule the world. She could probably run for office and win everything. But the fact that she put did one Instagram post encouraging people to register to vote and over 35,000 people registered to vote in her fan base. Now, I know we said before in, you know, when I think it was 2018 when she came out and she was like really like very, very politically active because it was against Marsha Blackburn in right. the uh, in the Senate and, and, you know, running for senator and, and obviously 
you know, Marsha Blackburn won. But now you have a new uh, Gloria Johnson, who's one of those Tennessee three, is running for senator in Tennessee. So I think the idea, and it's and it's interesting because like I'd gotten a tweet from one of my favorite cons- conservative friends, Joe Duffy, like, you know, maybe some of those people, instead of like listening to celebrities, they should go out and get jobs. And I'm like, listen, have we learned anything? Taylor Swift fans totally have jobs because we've seen the prices of those tickets and they all found a way to get there. <laughs> yeah, you're okay? not getting to Taylor Swift on your ARPA check. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> Not happening. so let's and, and also at the end of the day, too, it's like if you're getting encouraging people to register to vote, who cares if you're Democrat, Republican or independent? So I just think it's really fast to me. I'm raving about that this week. And I really hope that with her global dominance in like pop culture and in the economy, um, she keeps that going with getting people to vote because I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just an optimist. Could it make a difference? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, 35,000 people in Georgia, Trump only needed 11,780 votes. And I'm guessing they're not Trump voters if they registered because she asked them to. But So I don't know. So in, anyway, I know that seems a little like, you know, it's easy to get cynical about that. But she, we've seen what she's done this summer. No, I feel like I'm the opposite of cynical when it comes to, to Taylor Swift. Like she continually amazes me. Um, And not because I'm a big fan of her music. Her music's great, right? I like it. But just how she lives in this world, right? With all the success and money she has and the things she could do or not do. And so choosing to use her celebrity in that way is incredibly significant and important. And especially for for people like my daughter um, and like Terry's daughter. I mean, my daughter like thinks that she and Taylor Swift are really best friends. Like in some Yeah, I think that too. I know you do. I know you do. I've heard y'all talk to each other. I could tell y'all are almost like, you know, looking at each other kind of up and down. That was the greatest, one of the greatest things. So yeah. So good so good on her. And let's, you know, let's see what happens. I mean, look, if we have got a you know, and I wanna do I do want to save this for other episodes as far as like, you know, this whole like Biden you know, stuff. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff people are talking about. We didn't have enough time to get to all of it, but yeah, Jen, we're, kind of, we're still a little bit rusty. We're, we're, yeah. we're working in, right? So everybody, if you're listening to this, just, just stick with us, right? Please so do. So what I'm raving about is actually kind of one of those boring political things, which is labor. Dude, <laughs> I am so <laughs> raving about labor. Like I'm not an elected official. I love labor unions, have always loved labor unions, wanted to be a labor union lawyer, and then realized I lived in Georgia. So those did not exist because really unions didn't exist because of the anti-union laws that had been passed um, in the past and that are still continue to be pushed. So what's interesting to me is, you know, we still have the the writer's strike, right? Which now Georgia has like one of the largest emerging film industries of course, it impacts us. People have people are impacted here on the ground, um, and people are on the picket lines. And then, of course, with respect to the automobile industry, they're doing it. I mean, unions have really. I mean, there's almost a resurgence in terms of understanding the importance of what a union is, because people people have these 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 judgments, right? And they don't really know why they feel that way. Um, it's almost like you you inherit them. Like maybe your mom said something, right? Um, or your dad. But 
all a union is, is is workers getting together to use their collective power to bargain with the boss. The boss has all the money. The boss has all the bargaining power. You, as a minimum wage worker, don't have any power. So if you and your hundred friends get together, then it's a more equal playing ground. And that's all that unions are. And so with kind of... um, you know, the players using national labor relations in terms of, uh, of of their likeness and image and being able to to finally start making money, college players, you know, we've got the writer strike that impacts us. I mean, you know, with the big three, all of that, I think that we are really seeing a resurgence of labor. And I think it is so needed now more than ever in light of the fact that we have such a gap um, in in terms of, of people's wealth. And something has got to give because you can't have the boss making 500 times um, what the median worker is making in a company that just doesn't make any sense, and so, um, so I applaud them for sticking with it because that's hard. It's hard to walk out right on a job you love and a job you need, um, just to stick up um, for the greater principle. Well, and the data reflects that, right? Like Gallup did a poll in August, and support, like public support in the U.S. for unions, is as high now as it was in 1965, and that's the last time it was as high as it is now. Yeah. So So they're having a moment. That is a moment. And that is labor is definitely something that is completely being talked about. I I love the difference. We have dogs, Taylor Swift, and labor. I love the teamsters. They're they're actually my favorite here on the ground. (laughs) And that's why the Voter Podcast is here to stay. (laughs) I heart the teamsters. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. Terry and Jen, it is great to have you back. Uh, This has been so much fun. And we are going to be coming at you uh, hopefully every week and booking guests. And uh, we've got a bunch of things in the pipeline. And certainly feel free to contact all of us on social media. We love to hear from you. It's at Podcast Vote on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it now. I mean, who yeah, even knows whatever. anymore? I don't yep. know. Um, but thanks, everybody. And we will talk to you next time. 